Mind About You, where we are on a journey together to awaken to our true identity. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, and in this episode, we're going to discuss healing in the light of forgiveness. What exactly did Jesus teach about the relationship between forgiveness and healing during his ministry? Well, he taught what he learned about it in his study of the scriptures and through the divine guidance that he received. At the time of Christ's ministry on earth, the only scriptures that were available were in the Old Testament. Thus, the teachings of the Old Testament are what prevailed at the time. So let's look at some of them in regard to this issue of healing in particular. First, Exodus 15, in verse 26. If you listen carefully to the Lord, your God, it says there, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep his, all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. In this passage, good health then appears to be a function of obedience to divine law. Moses once again reinforces this teaching to the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 7. We're going to read verses 12 and 13 and verse 15. So verse 12 of Deuteronomy 7, If you pay attention to these laws, the divine laws meaning, and careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your ancestors. He will love you and bless you. Verse 15, the Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt. So there are blessings when living in harmony with divine law. And among such blessings is being kept free from disease. So what happens then when divine law is violated? Well, the Old Testament addresses that issue too. Let's look at Leviticus 26, verses 14 through 16. But if you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands, if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out all my commands and so violate my covenant... Then I will do this to you. I will bring on you sudden terror, wasting diseases, and fever that will destroy your sight and sap your strength. The violation of divine law includes then affliction with diseases. But did you catch what precedes them? It says there, sudden terror terror. Disease is prompted by fear. And we know that fear is related to punishment, as it says in 1 John 4 and verse 18. Thus, the idea of punishment intensifies fear. So let's look at it again here. It's, more is said about this in Deuteronomy 28 verses 15 and verses 21 and 22 is what we'll read. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God 
and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I give you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. As the people tremble with fear, right? The Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you from the land you are entering to possess. Verse 22. The Lord will strike you with wasting diseases, with fever and inflammation. So sickness and disease in the Old Testament is associated with living in violation of divine law, which is living in fear. And as the scriptures remind us, Israel did exactly this, and the people ended up suffering from the same kinds of diseases afflicting the nations around them. The history of ancient Israel, then, documented in the Old Testament, prior to Jesus' time on earth, reads a very similar way to what is happening in our own world, doesn't it? That's because the history of ancient Israel is merely a microcosm of the history of the world at large. As the people of Israel suffered with illness and disease right up through the time of Jesus, so do the people of our world today suffer in a similar fashion. These sufferings are due to living in violation of divine law. The period that Jesus was on earth was an era of both religious and government oppression. Jesus was very aware of this, and he, under, and he understood that in order for the sick to be healed, they needed to return to living in harmony with divine law. Yet how does that happen? Well, once again, the Old Testament teaches us this time through the pen of King David in Psalm 103. We're going to read verses 2 through 5. It says, Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Okay, so at the time, there were people suffering in Israel at the time of King David's, at the time that he wrote this. And so they were suffering from being in violation of divine law. So he's talking about forgetting not all his benefits, the benefits of living in harmony with divine law. And among these benefits are, verse 3, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed. Notice here that everything David writes is in the present tense. It says, praise the Lord in verse 2. Not I will praise or I have praised. He redeems and crowns in verse 4. Not will redeem or will crown, he satisfies in verse 5, not will satisfy. He does all these things now. 
And now he, verse 3, forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So there are several relationships here that we're admonished by David not to forget in our relationship with the Lord and the benefits of keeping divine law. As a crown follows redemption, and renewal follows satisfaction, so does healing follow forgiveness. Healing is the effect. Forgiveness is the cause. If forgiveness is the cause behind all healing, and none of us wants to be sick, doesn't it make sense that we gain a perfect understanding of what it means to truly forgive? A Course in Miracles devotes much attention to this subject. In the Course, we're told what it means to forgive. Let's read some of what it says there about what it means to forgive, because it is not what the world has taught us about forgiveness. It's in the workbook, part two. It says there, quote, Forgiveness recognizes what you thought your brother did to you has not occurred. It does not pardon sins and make them real. It sees there was no sin. And in that view, all your sins are forgiven. End quote. Say what? I thought what that person did to me didn't really happen? You mean I imagined it? Obviously, this is not the way forgiveness is practiced in our world. It's a different meaning, what we're seeing here. The way we have learned to apply forgiveness is to begin the process with a judgment. Somebody else did something wrong or hurt us in some way, and then we, quote unquote, forgive. Thus, when we practice, quote unquote, forgiveness in our usual way, we first impute guilt and then grant an unmerited pardon through which we, quote-unquote, forgive. But could Jesus have taught this type of forgiveness? This is the same Jesus who said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What Jesus is really saying here is when you judge another of a wrong, you are in essence accusing yourself of the same thing. Paul states the issue to the Romans in pretty much the same way. Notice in Romans 2 in verse 1. You, therefore, Paul wrote, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. How can this be? 
The great truth that these two scriptures point to is the fact that life is shared. We are all connected as an indivisible whole to a single source. That single source is talked about in Ephesians 4, in verses 3 through 6. It says there, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, verse 6 now, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This is all written, once again like David's psalm, in present tense. There is one body, one God and Father, who is over all, through all, and in all. Created reality is a single, indivisible whole. However, in the world, in our world, our individual lives appear to be separated and independent of one another, don't they? But that's part of the deception of the world we perceive with our body's senses. Because we perceive what we appear to be independent lives with separate minds and separate bodies, we think we can justify an attack, and judgment is attack. We can justify an attack upon someone else without bringing harm to ourselves. But since we are in reality an indivisible whole, this is clearly a mistake. And that's how both what Jesus said about not judging in Matthew 7 and what Paul said in Romans 2 is true. And the consequence of making that mistake, of giving in to that deception, is sickness. A Course in Miracles tells us this. In the text, chapter 26, we're going to read from section 7 in paragraph 2, verses 1 through 4. Quote, All sickness comes from separation. When the separation is denied, it goes. For it is gone as soon as the idea that brought it has been healed and been replaced by sanity. Sickness and sin are seen as consequence and cause in a relationship kept hidden from awareness that it may be carefully preserved from reason's light. End quote. If all of us are a single, indivisible whole in reality, then to attack another is to attack yourself. And the mind that attacks itself is sick. So unless you prefer to destroy yourself, which is what the sick mind does, and none of us really want to do, attacking, judging another is never justified. So you are not forgiving someone 
when you start the process by imputing guilt to them for some perceived offense. Rather, that imputation of guilt is an attack. An attack is always prompted by fear. From the text, chapter 30 in A Course of Miracles, section 6, paragraph 3. Quote, Fear cannot arise unless attack is justified. And if it had a real foundation, pardon would have none. While you regard it as a gift unwarranted, it must uphold the guilt you would forgive. Unjustified forgiveness is attack. In other words, what, what's being said here in the Course is you can't have it both ways. If you're imputing guilt, there's guilt. All right? So there's either guilt or forgiveness. There isn't both. Unjustified forgiveness is attack. And this is all the world can ever give. It pardons, quote-unquote, sinners sometimes, but remains aware that they have sinned. Isn't that the kind of forgiveness that we're used to giving in the world? And so, verse 8, they do not merit the forgiveness that it gives. End quote. The world practices, then, unjustified forgiveness, which is merely another form of attack. <laughs> this is madness. In A Course in Miracles explains well the warped reasoning behind it. Again from the text in chapter 30, section 6, paragraph 4 this time. This is the false forgiveness which the world employs. Why? To keep the sense of sin alive. In recognizing God is just, it seems impossible his pardon could be real. And from this comes the refrain, evil is evil and deserves punishment. Thus is the fear of God the sure result of seeing pardon as unmerited. No one who sees himself as guilty can avoid the fear of God. And since we are one with God, that makes us also afraid of ourselves. But he is, a sa but he is saved from this dilemma, if he can forgive. That means truly forgive. True forgiveness recognizes the fact that the separateness our senses perceive is not real. It also recognizes that to attack another is to attack yourself. Thus do we learn to, as Jesus told us, judge not. And since attack is not justified, fear cannot arise. And, when, and with fear gone, only love remains. And along with it, perfect health and healing. So when we forgive as Jesus taught, we are brought back into harmony with divine law. We can now truly love our neighbor as ourself because we have learned that our neighbor 
is indeed a true part of ourself. Well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you once again for listening to Change Your Mind About You. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, reminding you that there is sickness in the world because the world has taught us to live in violation of divine law. Thus do we live in fear of both God and ourselves. We have attempted to make our lives better through forgiveness, yet the forgiveness the world has taught us is rooted in attack, which itself can never be justified. So we need to learn to forgive in the way Jesus taught. Forgiving in this way brings us back into harmony with divine law, which is the perfect love that drives out all fear and all sickness. For then and only then will love and only love remain. So, until next time, take good care. And be well, my friends.